This is Janice. And I'm Sarah N. And we're your hosts for Explore This, a podcast for the modern day working professional. Each week, we explore actionable insights on how you can thrive personally and professionally. At the time that we are recording this episode, two months in 2022 have passed. Many of our New Year's resolution and goals may have faltered during this period. And according to Forbes, nearly 80% of people admitted to abandoning their New Year's resolution by February every year. So we decided that it's a good time to explore a topic on building habits and in particular, how we can build sustainable habits and what are some potential pitfalls to avoid. Now, Janice and I, you may or may not know this, but we're both huge fans of James Clear. And you will notice that a lot of the things that we discuss in today's episode will be based off his book's Atomic Habits. Now, if you've read this book, let us know as well. We're really keen to find fellow geeks like Janice and myself. But a few things that really stuck out to us as we read his book is this quote. And you may have heard it many times, but it is so apt for today's episode. James says, you do not rise to the level of your goals, but you fall to the level of your systems. And secondly, he also iterates that your goal is your desired outcome and your system is the collection of daily habits that will get you there. So today's episode, we really hope to dive into some of the habits that Janice and myself were building because we don't want these two months to come and go and we forget about the goals that we've been trying to build for 2022. So with that, I'm going to kick us off with some learnings that I've taken through building my own sustainable habits. And the first one being building an identity-based habits. Now, James talks about this as well. And I actually find it kind of cute, Janice. I'm not sure if you noticed, but we're talking about James like he's one of our really good friends. (laughs) Homie right there. I hope he's listening, by the way. We'll totally tag him on this after this. We will indeed. So for me, something that I've been learning from James Clear's book, is on the concept of identity-based habits. There are three layers at which any change can occur. And you can imagine them like layers of an onion. There's the outcomes being the outer circle, processes being the middle circle, as well as our identity, which forms sort of the core of the circle. And outcomes are about what you get. Now, processes are about what you do, but identity is about what you believe. And the key to building lasting habits is focusing on creating a new identity first because our current behaviors are simply a reflection of our current identity. And what we do now is a mirror image of the type of person that we believe we are. And this is either consciously or subconsciously. So changing our beliefs isn't nearly as hard as we might think. And there are two key steps that James talks about. So firstly, he talks about deciding the type of person that we want to be. And secondly, proving it to ourselves with small wins. Now, drawing this very close to home, for myself, I've decided that the type of person that I want to be is someone who is active, fit, and healthy. And coming from an identity-based habit, it basically means that I'm identifying myself as as an active, fit, and healthy person. And I'm sure Janice will speak about her experience as well, because I think we both try very much and very hard to make an active lifestyle part of our lives and our core identity as well. And when it comes to proving it to ourselves with small wins, what I try to do is I show up by doing workouts, whether it's HIIT, yoga, jogging after work, at least three to four times a week. So Janice, you know, on that note, tell us a little bit about what you think about building identity-based habits and 
I guess for myself, it was something that I learned for the first time when I was reading James Clear's book. I never really thought about building habits in that way. You just kind of think of habit as, okay, I want to be fit and therefore I'm fit. But that's not usually the case, right? So how have you started thinking about it since you were introduced to this concept? Yeah, no, this is a really... I would say a pretty revolutionary one for me because I've never really thought about habits in this way or even thinking about associating building habits to the identity that you want to have for yourself. So I totally resonate with that when he gave the example of like how you think of yourself as an athlete or as someone who is healthy naturally, you will start to try to align the actions that you take on a daily basis towards that identity that you have, right? That was very like real when I thought of myself as someone who chooses to eat healthy. I'm a person who has a healthy diet rather than like, oh, I eat whatever I want. So now when it comes to choosing what I want to eat or which restaurant to go to, the action that I make gets closer and closer to the identity that I want to form. And it's so true, right, Jen, what you talk about, because James also speaks about it and he says this, true behavior change is identity change. You might start a habit because of motivation, but the only reason that you will stick with one is that it becomes part of your identity. So for example, what Janice and I spoke about, our goal is not necessarily to lose weight, which is an outcome-based habit, whereas our goal is to become healthy, active, and fit and athletic, which ties to an identity. And so you're under an illusion that habits stick by the mere existence of motivation. Motivation alone will get us somewhere, but it won't get us that far. Because in truth, they only stick when you bridge them into your identity and see their practice as an affirmation of who we are. Now, these are the wise words of James Clear, not myself. So I think we can definitely take heed and in learning about this identity-based habits. What about yourself, Jan? What has been a learning that you've taken from building habits? I just wanted to like respond to the lesson that you just shared, right? Because what I realized is that when you think about it in the converse, that becomes true as well. Because I used to have this thought like, oh, I'm not very good in money or like I- I'm not a financially savvy person. So I realized when I had that sort of mindset, it helped me justify whenever I wasn't like too good with my spending in the month. Because I'll tell myself, oh yeah, I'm not that great with finances anyway, or it's fine. I'm not one of those finance geeks who like Excel spreadsheet their whole expenses. So I feel like it's so important when you think about identity-based to also make sure that you're not having negative-based identities because that sort of feeds into your mindset as well. I don't know if you resonate with with that. So true, so true, Jen. I, and I think this brings me to a funny thought I had. And we definitely have spoken about this before, especially during our MBA days, where we'll say like, oh, we're not the Excel kind of girl, you know, let's leave <laughs> Excel to our colleagues who can navigate those financial modeling better. But I think learning that we had from that also is, is not to tie those thoughts so closely because it does give us that justification. You know, it gives us that excuse rather when we're not good at something, but on the converse, if we want to become better, that's how we identify ourselves as becoming someone better. And and that really ties into that habit forming mentality anyways. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I want to share one of my key habit learnings from James Clear's book, right? First of all, I love Atomic Habits. I think I rave about it to everyone that I know. I rarely reread books, but Atomic Habits was a book that I reread this year, especially when I was going through quarantine and I wanted to, you know, try to inculcate some habits, especially in that 21 days. And, and I'll go into it a little bit more later. But one of my key takeaways from the book was to focus on systems instead of goals. And I think that's like the overarching theme of this entire book, right? Relating that on a personal note, 
I'm someone who used to subscribe to the idea of having big audacious goals and thinking about how having big audacious goals would be the way to achieve what I want in life. And I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with setting big goals. It's quite good as well because you have something to work towards. But I think for me, the problem with setting those goals, you know, for example, completing 50 books a year or save X amount annually. And when it comes to fitness, you know, I go into my F45 challenges with goals like lose 5 kg at the end of these um, three weeks, 5% body fat, etc. So when that doesn't happen, you know, when life gets in the way and all these goals don't end up being realized, I find myself feeling so demoralized and like it really makes me doubt myself. Like, can I trust that I'm able to keep myself accountable and actually hold myself up to these standards? So those are thoughts that run into my mind, right? I think my conclusion from that was that what really worked for me was to actually create a system. And this came about as a result of, of course, reading the book and, you know, speaking to my gym coach who actually gives us a lot of these pep talks as well. And he talks about, you know, create a system. And I think that's where that quote from the book really stood out to me. You don't rise to the level of your goals, but you fall to the level of your systems. And so what I do now is to set much smaller, actionable goals for myself. And what I would track instead is to track for consistency rather than the result at the end of that whole period of time. And how that could manifest itself is, for example, instead of saying, I'm going to read 50 books in a year, I make sure that I read five pages every night before I sleep. I make sure that I you know, show up for my workouts at least four times a week. And yeah, really, really to learn the importance of showing up and falling in love with the entire process. So I guess I will just sum up that key takeaway by saying that goals are really good for setting direction. But for me personally, I would say that systems have I found to be the best for progress. 100% resonate with that, Janice. And I think we never really thought about how important systems that are in place help set us up for success when it comes to setting up sustainable habits because we always get into the motion of wanting to build habits to make us successful, but we don't realize that before we even talk about those habits or the goals, the question is what systems do we have in place? So similar to you, right? Instead of now saying things like, oh, complete 22 books by the year 2022, which I've read so much about people's <laughs> goals on Instagram, not hating on you or it's whatever. But, <laughs> but I think the thing that I'm also learning is, you know what, if I can consistently read for 10, 15 minutes every night before going to sleep, instead of scrolling on my phone, that is a win for me as well. So I love what you shared, Janice, about the importance of showing up and tracking consistency above all else. Thanks. And, you know, I can't wait to hear what your next learning is, Sarah. Share it with us. Okay, so the next thing that I've learned about habit building is on accountability. And I think people might have heard me talk about this quite a number of times, but I really learned more about myself when I took Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies test, which was a test that is in response to expectations, which determines what our tendencies are. So not going to deep dive into it too much on this episode, but basically in Gretchen Rubin's test, she talks about the upholder, the questioner, the obliger, and the rebel. And one of the things that I learned about myself through doing the four tendencies test is that I am an obliger. 
And more importantly, I recognize that I am an outer obliger. And what that basically means is that I'm somebody who readily meets outer expectations, but I unfortunately struggle to meet inner expectations. And maybe this comes from a place where I don't like to disappoint someone. And I will always hold up to my end of the promise if I promise someone else. But it seems that I have challenges keeping promises to myself. So a very simple example is once I've committed to work out with somebody and that is what I was doing, especially during the early stages of of the pandemic and the movement control order here in Malaysia, I would commit to, you know, 7 a.m. every single morning to wake up to do one full hour of yoga. And it's because I had an accountability partner. And if I made that promise to show up for that workout, that yoga, that hit, that whatever workout, I will show up no matter how tired I am, no matter how exhausted, there will hardly ever be a time where I'll just flick out of it and say, hey, you know, I'm not going to show up because I overslept. I will usually always show up because I know that someone else is expecting me and I don't want to disappoint that person. But on the flip side, I recognize that if no one keeps me accountable and I'm only accountable to myself, I may be tempted to low-key skip that workout because no one is expecting that of me. And so for better or for worse, that's something that I've learned about myself. And so what I recognize is that whenever an obliger struggles to get something done, the solution is always the same, which is to have external accountability. The downside of it, and it's also a reflection on my end, is that I can't always rely on external accountability, but I think there comes the element of self-awareness, right? Knowing that this is something that works for me. I have my family, close friends, loved ones, partners. I recognize they are the ones who can help me and keep me accountable for the habits that I plan to make as, as well as keep. And I can trust that they are also wanting the best for me by keeping me accountable. Yeah, you know, I think the beauty about being an external upholder, you know, like every time when I schedule a workout with you, Sarah, you never bail. you always uphold like your end of the stick so I think it's really good that you did the test and you're super aware of what the strengths of being an external upholder are and how you can keep yourself accountable but you know it is true that there will come a point where sometimes like our friends might fail us they might bail so what are some ways that you have put in place when let's say you know that there are friends who are busy or they're not able to keep you externally accountable have you came up with some i don't know methods or alternative ways like non-human reliant ways to keep yourself accountable i'm just really curious Yeah, no, that's a really great question, Jen. I think it's still a work in progress, but maybe I'm discovering ways to go about this outer obliger tendencies that I have. And I'll speak about it a little bit more, right? I've recently picked up running, or maybe I should be honest and say it's jogging because it's a really, really slow pace. But like I say, I'm showing up and doing that almost every other day now. But I think what I've learned is that even after tracking my run and it's it's um, recorded on Strava, even though no one is expecting me to do that run, I would print screen that and send it to my boyfriend, for example. So whether or not he cares enough to ask me whether I'm running or not, I'm just showing up to say, hey, I've done my run. And whether you like it or not, you're my accountability partner. And so I'm sharing with you this print screen to say that I am keeping to my end of the stick and this is the run that I've completed. So it's kind of like I volunteered themselves to keep me accountable whether or not they actually do. So there you go. I think that's my alternative. Nice, nice. Yeah, I highly recommend this test for um everyone. I've done this test as well. The results I got was upholder. And definitely matches what I sort of knew about myself. And I think what's more important after doing that test is like to know, okay, so how do I 
work on the blind spots and how do I mitigate that, right? With an upholder, the, the, the downside is that we struggle in situations where expectations aren't clear. So I think when you tie that to the concept of habits, it's being able to be clear of the why behind you do certain things and being very crystal clear on what you want to achieve out of a certain habit that you want to build. So yeah, that's just something uh, I think you guys can think about using this test. It's free on Gretchen Rubin's site and you can use that to know yourself better and find out how you can use that to make your habits stick more sustainably. The next lesson that I have learned from James Clear is the importance of tracking habits. Like I mentioned earlier, right? For me, when it comes to habits, I think it's important to build sustainable habits. And I think for me, the challenge isn't really coming up with a habit that I wish to build, but really to maintain it. And so what I found helpful, of course, is through different trials and error, is to actually make sure I keep track of these habits. And so once again, quoting something from James Clear's book, I, I come to realize that we've actually, we're actually sounding like massive angles here. But hey, I mean, when it's of value, it's of value, right? So James Clear says that visual measures provide clear evidence of progress. And as a result, they reinforce behavior and add a little bit of immediate satisfaction to any activity. So this could be like food journals, workout logs, et cetera, like what Sarah mentioned, right? Strava. I don't know if it's because like of the way we are wired or anything, but I've come to realize that when I'm able to visually see the progress that I'm making or, you know, not making, that would actually prompt me to, to go into action-oriented mode and think of how I can keep a streak or to, to show up better the next day. Okay, just being completely real here as well, right? I've also started many different trackers in the past, but I've really struggled to keep to them. Like I'll start it for two days and then completely forget about it. So there was no better way than to restart this whole habit tracking habit than when you're stuck in a 21-day quarantine, which was what happened to me recently when I came back to Hong Kong from Malaysia. And Sarah was like so amazing because she totally made those days better by working out with me. Well, Janice kept um, me accountable. So there you go. It was a win-win for us, Jen. Oh my God. Yeah, it was a total win-win. So in the 21 days, I started using Habit Bowl. So this was an app. You can find it on the App Store. It's an app to track your progress of habits. And what I really love about it is that you can see streaks, work out different percentages, and you can even see like, there's even like a chat and discussion area for people who are trying to build similar habits. So for those of you who are geeks who like to look at streaks and numbers and percentages, this is the app for you. And I'm not sponsored to say this, but it's free and you can track up to five habits. So with Habit Bowl, it is something that kept me honest. It offers also a way to overcome blindness to my own behavior and to really know truthfully whether I was working on something sustainably or not showing up to it. It really helps me keep my eyes on the progress than the results. So by using Habit Bowl, it gave me visual proof that I was casting votes or taking action to becoming closer to the type of person that I wish to become. Another example I wanted to share with you guys as well is an app that I've been using to track my meals. So I think I've shared in a previous podcast episode before, one of my downfalls is that I'm a massive snacker. I just love snacking on stuff. So I'm trying to curb that habit because I'm in the midst of this um, F45 challenge. And 
I've been using this app called Mealygram, M-E-A-L-L-I-G-R-A-M. Shout out to my F45 friends. So with this app, you can actually form a group on this app and track your food daily. And you can essentially see all the food that your friends are eating. They can all see the food that you're eating. So this is the way to keep yourself accountable and to also low-key stalk your friends to see what they're having for the day. So this has been a great app for me to keep myself accountable as well as to adhere to this rule of trying to not miss twice, right? Something about that in the book, I recall. If you can, and as much as possible, never miss twice. When you miss a particular habit you're trying to build, just get back on track the very next day. So this, yeah, very interesting two apps that I've been using, Habit Bull and Mealigram. That's such a great way to talk about tracking habits. One thing that I've been doing as well, and I think we spoke about this on a previous episode, is my habit of tracking my expenses. And in that same way, right, it's the tying it again to identity-based habit as well as tracking habits. I don't want to make it seem as if Janice and I are such perfect people and we're forming the perfect habits, not at all, but it's recognizing what works for us as well. And so in my case, I make it a habit to track what I spend as soon as I spend it. And it helps me so much because I get to see at the end of every month what where my money goes. And it's obviously very empowering to know that you're in control of your money as compared to letting a massive credit card debt show up every month and totally catching you off guard. So I totally resonate with the fact of tracking habits. And, you know, Jen, like you say, we're geeks, right? We love to see a continuous streak of progress being made. So that definitely keeps us going. And so now that we've talked about um, some of the learnings that we've been having through the habits that we're developing, we want to also keep it real on the podcast and discuss some of the things that we want to work on as well. So Janice, what is a habit that you are still working on? It's still a work in progress. Share with our audience. That's so true. Like, definitely still on the road to progress. In terms of work in progress habits, most of what I've mentioned are all work in progress, right? But I guess if there were two things that I would really like to call out are, first of all, I definitely want to try to eat cleaner and to eat healthier as well. What has helped me well besides meal tracking is to also reduce exposure. James Clear talks about removing the cues of your bad habits from your environment. So I think when it comes to the context of food, what has really helped is to just not buy things that will cause me to unhealthily snack. So when you don't see it, when it's out of sight, it's out of mind. So now that I've completely just not bought any more of these like things, chips or whatever that, that makes me, you know, want to binge or want to snack on during like a workday, it doesn't tempt me anymore. So by removing these cues, it's helped me really, really get rid of this, you know, bad habit of snacking. And the second thing that is a work in progress for me is definitely the meditation exercise that I'm trying to build. So during my 21 days, this was one of the five habits that I was tracking on my Habit Bull app. And I set myself a target of meditating for 10 minutes daily. And out of the five habits that I wanted to, to build, this is the one that I think I did the worst in. And it's something that I'm still struggling with, but something that I'm trying to find different creative ways to, to try to build, you know, like habit stacking. I tried to meditate after making my coffee, but I've replaced that habit stacking activity with Wordle now. So <laughs> I don't know if you play that, Sarah, but seriously, that has been a, a slightly not so great habit that I have on the daily now. So yeah, guys, keep me accountable. I definitely want to make meditating a more regular habit. So what about I'm you, Sarah? So I'm not sure. I mean, I've heard of this Wordle 
thingy going on on Instagram and Facebook and everything. But I'll be I'll be honest and say that I haven't jumped onto this bandwagon, and it's no. probably for the best. It is no seriously. It's gonna <laughs> on good days it will make you so happy, but on the worst of days it will just like eat at you. So no, I, don't. I'm almost. Don't I'm almost I'm almost afraid to like find out what this whole wordle thing is about. I'm curious, but I think not curious enough to want to explore it because then I just might be tempted. But how about this challenge for you, Janice? After coffee comes wordle. And after wordle comes the meditation. (laughs) No, that'd be really good because after wordle, sometimes I get really pissed. So that's the perfect... (laughs) So like, I'm gonna check on you yeah. that after coffee comes wordle and after wordle comes meditation. meditation. We'll check back and see how that goes with you. I love it. Yes. Okay. Tell me now your work in progress habit, Sarah. Oh, there are so many. I, as a human, I'm such a work in progress. And there are a few key ones that stick out with me, which I'd love to share with our listeners because, you know, we're human too. We really struggle. And, you know, I'm not saying make us feel better by sharing your struggles as well, but it does help. It does help. So I would say that a habit that is my work in progress, it's about not scrolling social media. And so how I've been working on this is by deleting apps. So like Janice says, sometimes you have to remove the exposure and the temptation. So I've definitely done this by deleting some social media apps. I don't have Twitter on my mobile. I don't have Facebook on my mobile. If I ever want to go on Facebook, I have to go on the web version, which like who does that, right? But but it's definitely something that has helped me reduce doom scrolling, which is something I'm, I'm really keen to get rid of. And also something that I've recently done, and I'll be honest and say it is a work in progress, but I'm quite proud that I've been able to do this is no scrolling of social media within the first hour of waking up. Like in that time, I just really tried to spend that one hour not scrolling on my mobile and just protect and carve that first hour of the day because I recognize that it's so sacred. I can't say that I spend it doing things like meditation or whatever. Uh, I might be, you know, busy doing other things, but I just try to make it a point to not be scrolling social media in the first hour of waking up. And another work in progress habit, and this is also something that I've just picked up quite recently, is running. I've been also using the Nike Run app. So it provides me with guided runs. And I'm tying this to the first learning I shared about habits, which is building identity-based habits. So what I'm telling myself is I am someone who is fit, athletic, and healthy, and I want to form habits based on that identity as compared to, oh, I just want to run because I want to run. And some of the things that I do to help myself is, for example, it might sound really crazy, but I change into workout clothes right after showering in the afternoon, just so that I can prime my mind and get ready for the evening. So if you see me and I turn on my video when I'm working from home during the afternoon sessions, I might actually be in workout clothes because I'm actually preparing myself to go out for a run first thing as soon as I can at six o'clock or six thirty. And like I mentioned earlier, I also share my workouts and my runs with my accountability partners so that they can help keep me motivated and in check as well. And on the days that I miss out on that, you know, at least I know that they can keep me accountable for it. So yeah, these are the two things that are definitely work in progress for me. These are such good ones, Sarah. I really like your no scrolling social media in the first hour. I think that's so hard, but it really does set the tone. Like when you wake up to a barrage of like bad news and of course, you know, in the times that we live in today, 
when you open your phone, when you look at social media, it's probably 90% bad news and 10% something that's pleasant or something educational, right? I'm not saying to be like oblivious to your surroundings, but you know, when you wake up and you fill your mind with negativity, that really sets a tone for the day. I'm really proud of you for being very intentional and being very disciplined, right? Because it's hard sometimes, but being very disciplined about trying to set your day on the right note. So yeah, I'm quite inspired to try that out as well. That's a really good one. Yeah, I try. I try. I do get tempted, especially if notifications pop out. But I'm telling you, it really helps a lot when I delete the app. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Going cold turkey because sometimes if it's there, you're just going to click on it. And that's a wrap on our habits discussion today. I think we've had so much good conversation. In a way, it's also really good for us to talk about it and keep ourselves accountable and remind ourselves of the learning. So this is really personally beneficial as well. And I hope for our listeners out there, you find this equally as beneficial and also value adding to you. And just to recap the conversation that we've had, Sarah and I, we talked about four key habits takeaways. The first one was to form identity-based habits. The second, to focus on systems instead of goals. The third, to know what helps you keep yourself accountable. And the fourth learning that we had was the importance of tracking habits. So we're really keen to know if any of these has resonated with you. So don't forget to leave us a comment. And we also love to hear about how you have successfully sustained a habit. Building it is always easy, but sustaining it is always a challenge. So if if that's something you've been struggling with or have found successful ways to go about it, we'd love to hear about it. And more importantly, I think it's about keeping ourselves motivated and accountable with one another. And like James Clear say, every habit that we're building, we're casting votes to becoming the type of person that we wish to become. So on that note, thank you very much. If you've stuck around to the end of this episode, we want to say thank you for exploring with us. And if you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and most importantly, share this episode with your friends. We'd love to hear from you. So you can also connect with us on Instagram using the Instagram handle Explore This Podcast. A-C-T-S-P-L-O-R-E This Podcast. New episodes for Explore This drops every Monday at 8pm. See you then!